You're listening to Good Lad Unscripted with your host. <laughs> Welcome back to Good Lad Unscripted, the podcast. I'm Terry Goodlad. I have a very, very special guest with me today. Anna's in the other room doing some uh, like uh, blessed bodywear work. And today's show again is brought to you by blessedbodywear.com. Uh, the makers of fine women's fitness wear. Did that sound really professional, Crystal? It did. <laughs> it did. <laughs> I have Crystal Ellis with me. Now, I'll give you some background. None of you know who Crystal is. In the next 30 minutes, you're going to get to know her. And uh, I think from this point on, you're, this is somebody you're going to want to pay attention to. Uh, most people that hear this podcast, uh, Ann and I are foster parents. We have uh, a little boy we call Jesse. Now, Jesse is not his real name. His real birth name is Quamain. Uh, due to circumstances when he came into our care, uh, we had to give him a nickname. And so Jesse is his nickname. And so he still goes by Jesse, he goes by Quamain, he goes by Handsome, he goes by a lot of things. But um, this is Jesse's mom. Now, uh, Crystal uh, and I met. First of all, I guess, Crystal, we should go into. I'd like you to tell the story about how. Um, Komain or Jesse came into care in the first place. Okay. So it was um, actually December 23rd, the day before Christmas, actually. Christmas what year was that? It was 2016. 2016. He was four months old. So um, his dad and I like decided that we were going to go and, well, he was going to go inside a store and take some phones. And it turned out to, and I gave him the ride there, and I had Kwame in the car with me. So, other, but he didn't just ask for phones and take them and run out the store. He like robbed the whole store. He had a gun. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, now, did you know he had a gun and he was going to do that whole thing? Well, I knew he had the gun, but it wasn't never supposed to be like a robbery. It was supposed to kind of be like a, I don't know what you would call that. Just go grab a bunch of phones and Just run. be like, you're going to add some, like you're about to buy phones. Yep. And then, you know, they place them on the counter right. and you grab them and you run. Like a grab and run, I guess okay. you call it. Got to have a cute name for it, right? Yeah. Now, on the way there, just describe what was going on in the car on the way there. Your conversation with him. I was kind of just, I was nervous. So I was kind of like trying to talk him out of it. But you know, we were like low on money. We had just got kicked out of his mom's house. So it was like something that he wanted to do to make sure that, I don't know, we'll be okay, I guess, for a little bit. So I was scared. I tried to like talk him out of it. I even left and came back. Like I left to the store like, oh, we're not going back. Just forget it. And then he kind of got a little upset. So I went back. And... So you knew it wasn't the thing to do. Right. Yes, definitely. <laughs> now, uh, and then, of course, what happened is the police came. Um, yes. It, uh, Jesse's dad fled yes. on foot and, mm -hmm. uh, and remained at large for a number of months. Uh, you were in the car with the baby. Uh, dad stuck the gun in the car before he took off. Yes. Before he ran out the car, he put the weapon in the baby's diaper box. Right. Yeah. And so you were arrested there with the baby, the weapon, right the there. Phone, on the phone, the money, <laughs> everything. 
Scary. Yeah, I can't imagine. How did you feel at that moment? I was scared because... Just describe what happened when the like police got there. We're driving down the street. Like, I can hear the police sirens as we're leaving from the crime scene. Right. So we're just trying to get to his cousin's house. So we're driving. We get to... There's like... I don't know. It's like back streets we had took to get to the main road, which is called... I think it's Craig Road. Mm-hmm. So when we get to Craig Road at the light, there's I'm in the turning lane to turn right. There's the police like on the other side of the street. He's in the turning lane too, and we like I looked at him and he looked at me like it, we <laughs> it was eye contact, and then I just got scared like they're coming, they're coming, they're coming because he like I drove. And he made a U-turn. So I'm like, yeah, he's coming for us. He's coming for us. So I turned into these, like, trailer park to see was he going to turn with me. And he turned right with me into the trailer park, turned the sirens on. And within minutes, like, by the time I went from one street to the next, it was surrounded with police. Now, when did when did uh, Quamaine's dad flee? When did he run? Was it then or was it prior to that? I would say he told because, like, they had it kind of, like, blacked off where I can't, like. Get anywhere. Go anywhere. Like, I can't drive straight. And they have their guns drawn out. So if you go, they're going to shoot you, I'm pretty sure. Right. So, like, I'm just right sitting right there, like. You know, there's nothing we can do. And he's like, just go. I'm like, no, my baby's in the car. So at that point, he gets out the car and runs. Like, he didn't tell me he was getting out the car. He just got out and ran. Left you there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you got arrested. Yep. They took the baby. Now, what was that scene like? Obviously, at some point, you get out of the car. Tell me, describe what happened. Okay, so... So he bolts from the car. He's running. Uh-huh. You're sitting there. I'm sitting there. I have my hands up where they can see me, and they're telling me to get out the car. So I get out the car, so you got to, like... They want me to turn around, so my back is towards them, and I'm, like, walking backwards towards them. And they're worried about the gun at this point. What's the baby doing? <laughs> Nothing. He's just in the back seat. He doesn't even know what's going on. He's not crying. He's not... He's just there. <laughs> So, like, the whole time I'm walking backwards to the police, I'm just letting them know, like, my baby's in the car, my baby's in the car. So, nothing, they wouldn't start shooting or anything. Right. Yeah. It was scary. Very scary. Now, did you see them take him? Now, he's he was four months old at that point. Mm-hmm. Did you see them take the baby? Yeah. yeah. What were you thinking about at that point? It It was hard because, like... I sat in the cop car the whole time. They didn't even take my... When I got out the cop car, they didn't take my baby out the car when they went to the car. They left him in the back seat. And then, like, they were just asking me, like, who was I with and who ran from your car and and stuff like that. And it was after they had decided, I guess, that they were going to take him, they got him out the car and placed him... By this time, I'm in another cop car. Yep. They had placed him in the front seat of the cop car that I was in. So I was just like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. Like, I'm such a bad mom. I'm telling this to my baby. As I'm looking over the back seat into the front seat, he's in the passenger seat in his car seat. And he's just smiling. I'm like, oh, my God, he doesn't even know the half of, like, what's going on right now. And 
the CPS people came. I gave them a little information about him. CPS is Child Protective Services. Uh huh. And that was it. They took him. Now and then you went off to jail. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the next morning you wake up in jail. Did you sleep that night? No. How did you feel the next day? And you're sitting there in the quiet, you're sitting there in jail. What was going through your mind? I was, I cried basically the whole night. So like I'm tired, my head is hurting, my boobs are sore. Because you're breastfeeding? Yeah. <laughs> so like. Now you told me at one point that you 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 knew when he was hungry because your breasts would be full. And mm-hmm, they would how did, leak. How did that feel? Knowing that he wasn't there. What were you thinking about? I just cried. Like, all I could do is cry and pray and cry and pray. That's what I did basically my whole three months there. You worried about him? Mm Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Like, what made me worry is because he's he's four months old. He can't talk. He can't, like, say, like, what's going on with him. And here I am in a city that I'm not even from. So there's nobody that can come and pick him up. So it it was, like, really scary. And then, like, I just kept, because I've heard about stories about, like, when your kid gets taken and they get placed with somebody, like, they're not basically any, any better than the parent. Right. So they do all type of stuff to your kids. So that was a concern. It was just terrible. The three months that I did there were horrible. Were you worried about yourself? No, I was worried about getting out so I can get my baby. That was the main thing. Now, when you found out that he had been placed with this two white people, okay, you're African-American, we're white. You find that out. You find out that, uh, I think they gave you pictures, didn't they? Uh Uh-huh. How did that feel? I was scared because I didn't know who he was being placed with. So I was scared. Like, they didn't tell me the race of, you know, you guys' race or anything. They were just like, that. my baby was placed in with the family. I'm like, well, why didn't he just stay at Chow Haven? That was my question. Right. And they're like, because it, it's better for babies to go to, like, to have some type of, like, stability. So they placed him with the foster family. And then, like, I was worried. I didn't know you guys, of course. I didn't know what was going on. And then I got these pictures. And, of course, you're going to think the worst. Mm-hmm. Automatically. Sure. So I ended up getting these pictures in the mail. And I can just, in the pictures, I can tell, like, he's being well taken care of. He looks happy. So that kind of, like, gave me a little peace. Them pictures, like, okay, I know he's with... Somebody that's taking care of them, like basically good people. Then picture, I seen that through the picture. Mm-hmm. Now, you 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 got out of jail. What was it three months later? Uh huh. Got out of jail three months later. We had had him in care, so we're looking at March. I think it was right. March, yep, April, March thirty first. Yeah, it's right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you came to the first visitation. Now, <clears throat> now. <laughs> and this is, and of course it's out of necessity, but the, the facility that is there for you to visit your child. Now you're out of, you're out of jail. Um, you get to visit your child. You get X number of visits per week and they're an hour long. 
And, uh, and you go there and what happens is there's this common meeting room where you do your visit. And of course there's workers all around there and other families visiting. Mm -hmm. And on either side of that is a waiting room. On one side, there's a waiting room for foster parents and the other side, there's a waiting room for biological parents. What was the conversation like in that other room where you were waiting to come in and do the visit? You just hear... These are other biological parents like you. Yes. And their kids are in care. You would just hear like, oh, they don't like these fucking people. I don't know if I'm supposed to be cussing. (laughs) I can can beep it out. Yeah. And just saying that they don't like the foster parents and that they want their kids back. These people think that they're their parents. They don't know what's best for their baby. It was hectic. It was just a lot of negativity. But those are kind of natural thoughts, aren't they? Do you think or no? I mean, at that time, go back then, not where we're at now, but go back then. Did you think that's a pretty natural thought? Some of it, yeah. And then how did it make you feel? Anxious to see who walks out the door with my baby. Right. Now, when you did, and it's this white woman. It, I didn't, she didn't rub me the wrong way. Like she seemed really nice in the visit. Yeah. So, like, I didn't feel any type of way, like, towards her because this is a person that's been caring for my baby. And I've had multiple pictures, so I feel like she's doing a good job. Okay. So I didn't, like, feel like, oh, this lady. What was hard was that my baby, like, he didn't know me, like. Mm-hmm. But he knew her. Right. So that was hard. Sitting in the visit and him not wanting me but her, that right. was definitely hard. That was probably like the hardest things through the visit. Yeah. I had to like gain his trust. And it took a long time. It took a very long time. And I don't think I'm even quite there yet. <laughs> I still have some work. No, he loves his he loves you very, very much. Love you very much. Um, now, from our end of it, when it came to that point and you, you got out of jail, uh, dad was still on the run from the police. He hadn't turned himself in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had to start these visits and we had to go to this place. And it's like we, we have to walk through a gated fence and it's, you know, like that. And you got to go and buzz, get buzzed in and it's just, you know, high security area, right? And then we go in there and there's all these foster parents. And there's a lot of anxiety in the room. Some of them are complaining about the biological parents and why they can't get their crap together. And, you know, so, so there's uh, both ends of the room, mm-hmm. you know, there's everybody's complaining about everybody, right? Yep. But it's just so adversarial, right? Yeah. Now, Anna was doing the visits and what she had told me, she says, this girl is really hard and she doesn't seem to want us off. And she says, I don't think I'm getting anywhere with her. And she says, and I said, you know what? I was praying about it, and God told me I needed to take over these visits. And she said, you know what? I was just going to ask you if you wouldn't mind taking over the visits. And I says, you know what? I'd love to. Um, and so I came to the next visit. So there was, I think you guys did three or four to get three, I think, together. I think three, yeah. Yeah, and then I came for the fourth one. When I come busting through the door the next time, <laughs> what did you, I, I remember the look in your face. I can see you standing there right now. What were you thinking? Who is this red man? (laughs) (laughs) 
and I was all nice and I'm talking to you and I was just like, yeah, it was kind of, <laughs> you were like, you're looking at me and I just think she's thinking right now, like, who is this idiot? <laughs> <laughs> like, who is he? Yeah, definitely. But, but it was consistent, you know, and, and, uh, over time, and I want to say about four visits, you started to warm up a little bit. Yes. A little bit. I would say so. A very small little bit. A little bit. What went, what went on? What went on? Uh, what went on there? What what broke it down for you? I think just being more comfortable, getting used to you, and like getting a little comfort. Because I'd come in and hug you and tell yeah. you you're pretty that day, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you go. So who's this guy? Get him <laughs> off me. <laughs> yeah. So it it was just more about being comfortable, and it's like. It's hard. Like our, I think our relationship is like unique because it's like it's usually most foster parents and the biological parents they don't click. No, and I mean like, the whole system is adversarial in that way, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have a worker that comes to see us once a month. You have a worker that you deal with a little bit more often, um, but you know we've got your your child and. Uh, you know, you want to get them back and we want to make sure the child's okay. So no, we want to keep them until it's ready. And so it's just that natural. And then even just walking into the physical building at Child Haven, where you do the visits, you know, we've got our room that we walk into and then we send these poor little cherubs in there on their own to visit this heinous biological parent that did this heinous thing, whatever it is. And on the other side, you've got, you know, all these people that these foster parents that are all abusive and killing their children. And, you know, and so you got to go in there and you only get to see your child for one hour. One hour. And that's it, you know, and you're supposed to bond with this kid. And so the whole thing is just adversarial, the whole thing. And, and, and in a lot of ways, I think it needs to be. But in our case, we kind of broke past that, didn't we? Yeah. I think we did. And it, it's it's hard to, like, it probably took me so long to get comfortable because, like, I'm on this side and you're on this side. So it's mm -hmm. like, I can't tell you too much. You know, I can't let you know too much. Right. Because you have my baby. I don't know if you're going to go back and repeat what I'm telling you or if you're going to use what I tell you against me. So it, I was worried about that, too, so... I had to get, but that's natural, that isn't it? Here. It's a natural thing. Uh, yeah. Now oh, I yeah. just want to tell everybody where we're at right now. Okay. okay. Uh, every day we tell each other, we love each other. Every day we talk, yeah. uh, you've stayed with Ann and I many times. Um, you've come and worked with us here at the shop. We consider you part of the family and you consider yourself a part of the family. Um, you see Quamaine almost every day. Uh, now we're still involved in the process uh -huh. and that will play itself out by the end of December probably. And it will come to a conclusion one way or the other. Uh, but we've gotten past all of that stuff, haven't we? We have. And, and, and that's, um, and I wanted to talk a bit about the beginning and all of that mistrust and all that stuff and, and understand that the system itself and the people in the system, uh, they're doing a job and the job is to have the foster parents do what they do. Okay. And hold them very accountable. Uh -huh. Okay. Like they're up our butt with a flashlight every week, you know, <laughs> doing something right. Uh, the training we have to take is quite extensive. You know, Anna just finished or Anna and I just finished 12 hours of video uh, training. Uh -huh. 
mm-hmm. you know, that we have to do just to re-up. And then there'll be a home inspection and, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And so it's very rigorous. It's a lot of stuff to be a foster parent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then from your end, you had to take classes and you have to do all this other stuff. And you're hoping every time that you're going to get this child back, you're going to get this child back. And at this end, we're going, is she ready? Is she ready? Is she ready? And at some point, we kind of just got past that. And my thing is I cared about you. And, and I'm saying all of this to say this. You know, the minute we said we had this foster child, everybody's good. Well, I hope you get to adopt him. You know, he should be with you guys, you know. And so the immediate assumption is, is that you are a bad person. Right. right. Which is not the case. Now, I want to just for a second go back into your childhood. Okay. Okay, if you don't mind. Want to talk about your parents. Well, I don't have a relationship with my father. Like, I know who he is. I know that's my father. But as far as being in the same household as me, raising me, he had no parts of that. And as far as my mom, she she came and went. Like she was in and out of prison my whole life, still is. To still this is day. in prison to this day. Yes. So she didn't raise me either. It was just like. And it's not all. She just, came on vacation. It's not shoplifting type stuff. It's not like right. shoplifting right. stuff. It's <laughs> hardcore stuff. Right? Uh huh. Yes. Right. Hardcore. Now, the environment you grew up with, all of the relatives and friends and all like that. All my cousins, I would. They're gang members. They They sell drugs, most of them. Like it was just, and you were on the streets at fourteen doing the same thing. You were selling crime. drugs since you were fourteen, right? Uh huh. When did you get your first job, Crystal? I think I had my first job. I did home health care in New Mexico, so I think I was like twenty-five. How long did that last? Not long. I was so used to not working, like I quit. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And so this is so this is the thing. This is where Crystal came from. Now, I, I think the thing I want to, you know, and I'm, I I want to I want to we're going to revisit this, and I want to talk about what we're doing, what you and I are doing, Crystal, and what's going to happen here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, um, yes, I was there, and yes, I was always the happy guy, and yes, we were always giving pictures, and you know, we were you know doing all the stuff that I felt we should do. We uh-huh. did. I did what I, I could to make it as non-adversarial as possible and gave you all the time in the world. In the meantime, did the best job we could do looking after this little boy, right? All right. Um, to your credit, at some point, you decided that you're going to accept that love. Yes. And, see it, and you allowed trust to build. Mm-hmm. And so while so many people have patted Anna and I on the back for doing a great job, what they, what nobody wants to talk about, or I guess nobody thinks about, not that they don't want to talk about it, I think they will, but the thing is, is if it were not for you, coming from where you come from, okay, mm-hmm. white people raising your children, okay, <laughs> right, or your, your son, right. okay, and they've got your son, and you don't have them, uh, and all of this background that you have, the, you know, the, Comaine's father and his family and, and their background and all that they've got going on. Mm-hmm. And we won't go into that right now, but, but uh, you, chose, you chose at some point to, to step away from that life 
walk away from all of it, family, everything. Got a job. Yep. Started working. Uh, now you work with a temp agency because you now have a felony, I right? Do. You have a felony conviction. Uh -huh. So it's hard to get a full-time job. It it's is. hard to find a place to live and you're still struggling with that. Yes. Right. Uh, but the thing of it is, is that you've, 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 we've built a trust and, uh, and this is something people have a hard time understanding. If, if, if you hadn't been my foster son's mom, no one would question our friendship. Exactly. But the minute that I bring it up that this is Jesse's mom, everybody questions the the validity of this relationship. Right. But to us, that's not in the way. We have a common goal, and that's this little boy. And together, we are going to give him the best life possible. And the best life for this little boy is a life where his mom is no longer dealing drugs, no longer using drugs no longer in jail or living that lifestyle and a woman that is building a life for herself, but not just doing that, but giving back to the world. And so now Crystal, I think I want to tell everybody about what our plans are. Okay. What we're going to do is, um, Crystal has made this decision. And so I'm just facilitating this for her and helping her do it. But what she wants to do is most people that have lived in that gang life and, and the drug life and been a drug user and all like that and just that, that whole crime thing, to walk away from that, usually it's somebody, that, the people that talk about that now are people that are 20 years removed from it and they're very successful and they'll tell you where they started. Crystal's going to start telling that story now as she's pulling herself out of that lifestyle. Yeah. And the purpose is that in, in a year, we want to start working on a book. And the whole purpose is, is to help girls and boys, young kids, women, adults, anybody that's caught in that life that thinks they can't get out, mm -hmm. you're going to show them how to do it. And you're going to inspire them to do it. Most definitely. Now, has it been easy for you? It has not. You I get still tempted? face challenges to this day. So Talk it's about not some of those. easy. Like, as far as the housing thing goes... It's it worries me because like I'm kind of place to place, so what? And the it, places you can get are such are, bad places. Yeah, they're like in the hood, right? And I mean mega hood, right? I mean that one place that you can get a place at. It's like I don't want I don't want you going there because I I'm worried about your safety. You know, you're a pretty uh -huh. young woman, and are you safe there? Right, you know? right. It, it's hard. So it kind of, like, when I go through stuff about going back and forth, it just kind of makes me think, like, okay, well, maybe I should just go back to New Mexico, like, where I know I'm going to have a place to stay, where I know... But if you go I back can, there, you know what you're going to get into. Exactly. So that, it's it's a struggle. It's like the bad and the good, like, it's, you know, like, I know I don't need to go back to New Mexico, but my situation kind of, like, sometimes I think about maybe I should go back to New Mexico. Right. But it's New Mexico is not an option. And now what we're going to do with this is Crystal's going to launch a website. Um, we might even get it done this week. We'll see. Uh, but then we're going to start, she's going to start her own podcast. And at first I'll work with her on the pod. We're going to work together on the podcast. All right. Uh, and I'm going to pull these stories out of you. Uh, Crystal's been through a lot and I think you kind of get hard to all that life, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I did my life in comparison to yours is nothing, but I mean, I used to deal drugs in my school and I broke into cars and houses and did all that stuff and uh -huh. then turned my life around at 15 
and ended up being a cop and a SWAT cop and a business guy and a you know executive president of a of a company and all these things and you know here we are today. But I mean, I'm one of those guys that everything is 40 years removed, 50 years removed. Right. You know. Right. Um, so there's some common ground there, uh, but there's also you know I'm at the other end of it now, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, what we've chosen to do is just get closer and closer. So that when you have those dark moments, you're not alone with them. Right. Yeah. And it, it, I guess talk from your, I don't want to, I don't want to say what you're feeling, but how did that, how did that help you? How does it affect you having a family now, a family that's not involved in all this other stuff? It's very motivational. It makes me want to be something I never thought I could be. It makes me want to like dream big, like just be big, like, and then the support is so wonderful. It's like there's nothing I can't do. I've never had that before. So it's amazing. And it makes you want to try new things, do new things, and just be everything that you know you can be, you want to be, and what people don't expect you to be. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what color our skin is, does oh, it? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it, it's such a funny thing in America, you know, we because our our baby boy is, is black, right? Mm -hmm. And he's very dark-skinned. You're very dark-skinned, um, you know. And Anna, believe it or not, is mixed. You know, there's, uh, you know, there's some mixed way back there a few generations. Yeah. But she's a white girl as far as everybody's concerned. And <laughs> And, uh, of course, I'm white as the driven snow when I'm not red. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that really isn't an issue. I mean, there's so many common things there that skin color really doesn't matter. And, mm -hmm. and oddly enough, uh, you know, I had somebody at one point say, oh, you know, you know, Jesse's going to do a lot better now because there's a dark face in the house. And I says, he doesn't know. That means nothing to him. Exactly. Probably means more to him that daddy's got a beard and he doesn't. Because when I'm combing my beard, he always wants to comb his beard and he doesn't right, have one, but he right. tries to comb it anyway. That probably means more to him than the color of our skin. He could care less. Yeah, I think what people fail to realize is he he's so young, he doesn't even know that he's African-American. No, he's he just a kid. He doesn't see the color difference. Like, I'm sure he could tell that he's darker and you're lighter but he doesn't know like oh i'm african-american and he's white yeah and he hasn't he attached any good or bad to it or any judgments all. or yeah. anything like that and we don't we intend to keep that as far from him as we possibly can mm -hmm. for his life so it doesn't matter how many black people were in the room no it could be a dozen he's still gonna probably feel more comfortable <laughs> with the white people <laughs> well, so, with no. his daddy and his right yeah, exactly the, exactly the people he's known that's yeah. all that matters and that, that care for him and love him so color doesn't have anything. No, and at the end of the day, he's just a really good judge of character too because he, you know, there's there's people that come in there to our house that he just wants nothing to do with. Right, right. Or people that will see someplace and then there's other people that right away he clicks <laughs> with, right? And mm -hmm. and uh, he he is a very, very good judge of character. So, but anyway, I think, I think the cool thing here, the message that I want to put across in my podcast here is that, you know, we make assumptions about people, but until it would be very, very easy for me to fall into that rut where, well, here's this woman that's involved in all this stuff, you know, uh, she shouldn't have this child back. And the thing of it is, is we've worked very hard to find a way for you to be successful in life, but also have a very long and strong and, and lasting relationship with your son. And we've achieved that so far. Definitely. And that's the goal going forward. Uh, we don't know how things are going to end up. Um, we'll find out 
by the end of the year, probably how mm -hmm. things are going to end up. But either way, we're going to be a family. Either way. Either way. We're a family now and we're staying that way. Yep. So we're planning Halloween. We're planning Thanksgiving and Christmas right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Crystal, there's so much more to talk about. Um, you know, we talked about doing this and, and you're just so willing. Uh, the cool thing is, is that I, I, I've always expected more resistance on everything from you and I get zero resistance from uh -huh. you. You just do it. Uh, this is a girl now that has a job. Um for a short period of time until we find you a place, you're staying with us. All right. And uh, we live in, we live, what, 45 minutes drive from where you work? Yes. So Crystal gets up at three o'clock every morning, rides the bus to work, rides the bus back home, and gets home at seven o'clock at night. Yeah. And she does that every day. Now she works seven days a week because she's got another job and she works on weekends. So on Friday, she leaves her first job goes to her second job and gets home around one in the morning. Yep. Yep. And most of that's probably just as much time spent riding a bus as there is spent working. Yeah. Definitely. The bus rides or are like very long. And sometimes yeah. the buses are not on time. So you kind of have to like plan ahead. Yeah. Now I'm going to say this. I'm going to ask everybody listening. Would you do that? for 10 bucks an hour. The second thing I'm going to say is her solution is <laughs> the first thing she said is, is, okay, I want to make use of this time. I want to get a phone so that I can start reading books, like books to help her improve and books for her to learn different things and, and help her get her life sorted out and going in the direction she wants to go. That's where we've come from, from the first day I met this girl fresh out of jail that had just done an armed robbery uh -huh. <laughs> and had lost her son. And I'm the white guy looking after her son. That kind of a scenario to where we are now, where I find inspiration from you every morning when I get up and you're gone. And then I, you know, then we see you at nighttime. Uh -huh. And the first thing when you walk in the door is you spend time with Comain. Yep. Okay. We put him to bed and then you go to bed. Yep. No matter how tired you are. You spend time with that little boy. And and we spend time as a family uh -huh. talking about things. Yeah. It's important to get all the time you can because it's limited. I say I love you for a reason, and Anna says it for a reason. You are an incredible woman, and I cannot wait for you little boy to see what you become throughout your life and what you do with that life. Yeah, me neither. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> And with that, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, when we uh, when we kick off your website in the first issue of your podcast, I'll be letting everybody know so they can listen to Crystal. It's going to be the story, basically, of her life. We're going to go through the whole story, from, right from the beginning, from whatever the she beginning can remember, right up to, to today. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and then the choices that you're making, and then it's going to turn into, you know, stuff that you can pass on to others so that they... They can do the same with their life, hopefully. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. God bless you guys. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Good Lungs. Good <laughs> scripted the podcast.